So it's Father's Day, and uh, and it's always a day to to reflect, you know, about the important people in our lives, like our dads, husbands, and uh, so I want to I want to speak to us this morning about connecting with the next generation. So you you can apply this in any in any context. So if you don't have kids, it's fine. Uh, you can apply this in a in a leadership context. Um, you can apply it as a mom with with children. But I want to specifically speak to the dads today. I want to speak to the dads. I want to uh, speak about how to connect with the next generation. And yeah, so I want to ask this question. Um, I know, I know every, every dad, every, every man wants to be a good dad. We want to do well. We want to do what's best for our children. And, and sometimes we don't know how. And sometimes we do well, and sometimes we don't do that well. And uh, I just had the sense this morning that there are, there are, there are men that, that are living in a place of being disappointed with their areas, their failures, the, the moments in their lives that they maybe, maybe you missed it. You, maybe you weren't the best dad at that season or that moment in your life. And, 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 and you know, those things can haunt us sometimes. Those things can haunt us. So I want to encourage us this morning. I want, to, I want to build us up and strengthen our resolve to go higher, to go further as dads, as leaders, as parents. Um, that's really what, I, what, I, what I'm trusting the Lord for. So I've been sharing about this in this last three weeks about connection. Life is about connection, meaningful connection. That's what life's about. That's when life is meaningful. That's when life really makes a difference. In a sense, when, 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 when we come alive is when we connect with others on a meaningful level. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's so much better together than on your own. And it's so much better when we have a meaningful connection with the people around us. You know, so I was speaking about this, that many people feel isolated. They feel alone. But it's not because of the, the, the number of connections it's about the depth of the connection. Many of us have many connections, many Facebook friends, but we don't necessarily have deep, meaningful connections with the people around us. So we've been speaking into that. Marriages, meaningful last two Sundays, really focusing on marriages. And this morning, I want to focus on that parent to child, child to parent connection. It is so critical. It is so key. You see, our God is a God of generations. Generations. He's not just thinking one. He said, I'm the, I'm, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is always thinking generations. He's not just looking at you in isolation. He's always thinking about the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. He's, he, he's thinking three, four generations down the line. Most of us are only focusing on now. But God is, God is looking so much further into the coming generations, and He wants that, that connection. He wants us to have that connection with our children. So what is the, how does this work? This, how do we connect? I want to look at a few things. Are we giving our children a ditch to fall into? Or are we giving them a platform to launch from? I want to look at a few ditches, ways in which we can give our children a ditch 
to fall into and ways that we can actually give them a platform to launch from. I'm sure we all want to give our children a platform to launch from. We want them to succeed. We want them to succeed. Now, the challenge is when we have already done a few ditches in your life for your children. I want to encourage you. You're not God. God is bigger than all your mistakes. He is. He's bigger. Look at many of us here today. We are serving Jesus despite the failures of our parents. You know, So don't live with that, that yoke around your neck terrified of whatever you're going to do, it's the end. Because no, we're not victims. We're not victims of our parents. Do you agree? We're not a victim. We're not a victim of what our parents did 40 years ago or 30 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago or whenever. We are not victims of what other people did to us because we have a heavenly father. A heavenly father. He is the father to the fatherless. He is the protector of widows. He is faithful, and He's always with us. You're never alone. So I want to encourage you. You're never alone. doesn't matter if you have a spouse or not. doesn't matter if you have parents or not. It doesn't matter. You have God, and He, 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 over, he, he, over, he gives us more than enough of everything we need. Okay, so are we building ditches, or are we building... Digging ditches, or we're building a platform from which we can launch our children. Okay, so we're going to look a little bit at that. So let me pray for us. I'm going to share the message. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for every relationship represented here today. Lord, we bring before you our, our hearts as parents, spouses, and children. Every one of us. Lord, we pray for our hearts. We pray, God, that you would restore connection. Lord, we pray that you would speak now. Lead us to restore connection where there's broken, where there's disconnect. In Jesus' name, Father, come and lead us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we live in a, quite a challenging era uh, in the natural, not so much. It's more in the spiritual and the, in the, in the, on a moral level. I think for most of us, we live like kings lived a thousand years ago. All the conveniences and the comforts. Microwave, light, TV, nice cars, drive around, flying, etc. We, we live like kings. We're blessed. Life is good. But there's a, this massive onslaught morally spiritually, on our families. I'm sure most of us are aware of it. It just feels like a relentless assault of ideas, of thoughts, of depravity, of perversion, of, of, of from every level, the enemy is wanting to destroy our families. It's like men are under assault. So, so, so the world's breaking down men. Telling us we're not good enough, you know, not doing enough, not feminine enough, not whatever. We're always not just something, not enough, you know. And the ladies are under assault as well. The moms to be distracted, to be afraid, to to worry, to you know, just 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 from every side. And our children are continuously under assault as well. Just like you know, the media and the TV and the internet and the ideas, the thoughts, you know, families under an assault. 
They're trying to redefine what family looks like. Family is no longer a husband and a wife, or a man and a woman is now a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, and whatever else. There's weird stuff happening. It's also now, uh, now let me go into it. That's, gonna, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's a deep hole to go down. So let's, let's park that. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to share with you all the weird stuff that's happening. But, but I'm sure you're aware of some of the things that's happening. And so, so it feels like there's this continuous assault on our hearts, on our minds, on our purity, on our holiness, on our peace, on our joy. And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's currently like we've never seen the world before like it is now. This, this media assault, these, I, these ideas and these things, it's, it's like the world has never seen anything like now. It's probably the most difficult season, time in the world to be pure, to be faithful, to have a healthy family. Probably the most difficult. But I tell you, it's also an incredible challenge. It's a good challenge. I see this, I see this not as feel sorry for ourselves. I, feel, I see it like, let's take up the challenge. In the, in the midst of this assault from, on, from every side, let's pick it up. Let's up our game. And that's what I want to encourage us to, to up our game. So I want to take us to a story of uh, Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. And... Uh, Jerusalem was in a very bad state. The walls were broken down. The enemy armies have destroyed the, the city and the nation over the years. And so Nehemiah finds out about this. He's the, the king's cupbearer. And he hears that the walls are broken down. And he, and he wept when he heard of the, of the destruction that is happening in Jerusalem. And, and, and all the shame that goes with it. The city had no walls, no way to defend themselves. And the enemy was just coming in as they wanted to. You know, for me, that's like a picture of families these days. No walls. Enemies just coming in to steal, to kill, to destroy. You know, and Nehemiah wept, you know. And I believe God is, in a sense, like weeping for so many families where, where, where things have fallen apart and things have gone south. And, but then the Lord raised up Nehemiah. He raised up a leader. And I believe, I want to use Nehemiah as an example, a picture of us as dads, a call, yes, to first weep about what's happening in our families and in our society, but then to take up the challenge and to rise up, to take on that challenge. So look at this, um, Nehemiah 4, verse 6 to 11. So they started with building the wall. So it says, that, so we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people that had a mind to work. So they were filling up the, the, the gaps. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> so we have a... Scenario where we, we, we're trying to deal with the shame, we're trying to build the walls, but then there are these enemies that become angry. They don't want this to happen, so they want to come and they conspire, they bring confusion, they come to break down. So how, how, how does this reply, apply to us? I mean, some of us, 
many of us, at certain times in our lives, we have turned to Christ. And at certain times of our lives, we've decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes. So we're like, come on, you like, want to blow your trumpet. Do, do, do. Here we come. We're going we're gonna to rise up. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to do this. And then suddenly you realize this is, whoa, there's a lot of resistance here. Suddenly, it's not so easy. I thought it was going to be easy. And yet the assault is still relentless, this, the conspiracy. You know, there's, there is a real enemy. There's a real enemy, and he's knocking on our doors continuously. There's a real enemy bombarding us continuously with thoughts, thoughts to worry, to be fearful, thoughts of lust, thoughts of distraction. There's a continual bombardment on our hearts and minds. There's a spirit battle raging. And we need to know that. We need to be aware of that. So some years ago, I was listening to a, a lady who's, she shared the story of, uh, she, she led a Satanist, third generation Satanist to Christ. Teenager, third generation Satanist. He was in a hostel somewhere in the Cape, in the uh, school there, and she led him to Christ. And then she chatted to him, and then he, he shared with her, that no, he's from uh, Cryfontaine area, and he said that... Um, Every Friday night when he goes home from hostel, every Friday night, there's the one guy there, he's an attorney, he's the head of the satanic group in that area. Sorry for all the attorneys, we're really continuing the bad vibes you, you have, but uh, the bad name attorneys have, the devil's advocate. So, <laughs> so this guy was a real devil's advocate, okay. So anyway, so the head of the, every Friday night, they would do this, they would go to the local churches. They would kill, would kill a cat, and they would put blood on the corner of these churches, and then they would chant three things, always the same three things. They would curse that church with the same three things. Number one, that the Word of God would be powerless. Number two, that the marriage would fail of the leaders, of the pastor. And number three, that the children would rebel against the parents. You see, now that for me gives me a lot of insight of the enemy's scheme. Because here we have Satanists representing the devil and doing his work, and they have three missions. Let the Word of God be powerless. The enemy doesn't want you to get the Word this morning. He doesn't want it to get into your heart. He wants you to, ah, oh, it's not going to change me today. He doesn't want the word to be powerful. He wants the marriages to fail because he knows then it's game over. And he wants the children to rebel so that there can be a disconnect between the parents and the children. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Even for the children here today, the kids, be aware. Who the heck is influencing you? Well, if it's cursing your parents, hating your parents, not listening to your parents, despising them. Who is influenced? It's not the Holy Spirit. That's what I can tell you. It's not the Holy Spirit. I remember as a teenager, I was, my, my mom told her friends, I'm the child from hell. I tormented my mother. I, I hated her. I, we couldn't be in the same room without fighting. I was influenced by evil. I think I was possessed, to be honest. 
But when I turned to Jesus, the first thing the Lord did was reconnect me to my mom. Why, why? That's the first thing the Lord said to me. Why do you hate your mother? And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's right, I do. Why? And, and, and I started to make right with my mom. You see, that's the enemy's scheme. He wants to divide. He wants to disconnect. Why? Because he knows that when, they, when the parents and the children, when, the, when there's no heart-to-heart connection, well, the kids are probably going to lose their way, especially if the parents are Christian. But even just in, just in terms of godly values and good guidance, that, that teenager thing, huh? <laughs> My parents are stupid. And then you hit like 26, 27, and you have your own children, like, sure. You listen to your parents now, and you think, yeah, they became smarter. No, they didn't. <laughs> you were just stupid. We, oh, that, that season of our lives is really challenging. But the, the connection between parents and children, children and parents, that's an area the enemy assaults. You see, the, what is the role of a parent? The role of a parent is not to control their children. You know, no one likes to be controlled, even if you're four years old. No. No one likes to be controlled. We were made, designed with a free will so that we can choose to love. No one wants to be controlled. The, the purpose or the, 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 a parent is a guide, a guide for the children on the journey of life, a guide through the minefield. But now what happens is the parent is seeing something. Seeing stuff going down, seeing, but now there's a disconnect between you and your child. So you're even seeing there's a minefield, but you can't tell them because there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. So this is the key. You need to connect with the heart of your children. You need to win their hearts. That's the mission. And you need to ask yourself in every situation... What I'm doing now and how I'm relating to my child, am I winning their hearts or am I pushing them away? That's the thing. You know, the mission is not to control them and to get them inside specific boundaries. Sometimes, yes, you're desperate, so you're trying to. But that's not the ultimate because it's going to backfire at some stage. You want to win their hearts. Now, you can apply this to leadership. You can apply this to any area of life. You, you need to win the hearts of those you want to influence. And then for us as children, we need to be, allow ourselves to be influenced. So uh, let me look at the, the next verse there. It says in verse 9. So after now, the enemies have been scheming. There's a conspiracy. I want to say to you, yes, there's a conspiracy. The enemy wants to destroy your family. And there's a relentless assault on our hearts. Relentless. So we need to up our game. Now look at this, verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our praise to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. We set a watch. Then Judas said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. But the first two things, they said, we prayed. The first off is to start to pray. God, I want to be a good parent. I'm, I'm confronted with this. Every time I look at my son, eight-year-old son, I'm, I, I realize this is a big responsibility. <laughs> There's so much hanging on my shoulders as dad. I need to, I need to 
take responsibility for who I am. You know, we don't think about this originally. But there comes a responsibility with making a lady pregnant. There's a responsibility. It was fun, but now it's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work. There's responsibility. And that's why God is, you know, He is he's designed in a way that, but get married, do it within marriage. So there's a space, a safe environment. So for us as dads, as parents, we are to be guides for our children, but we're also to, be, to create a safe space, a safe environment, a peaceful environment in the homes. I say that over the last few weeks. Fear and anxiety destroys connection. Peace brings connection. Peace. So we need to have peace. We need to have peace in our own hearts and bring peace into our family so that we can have healthy connection with our children. A heart-to-heart connection. The goal is not to control. The goal is to win. Okay, so now let's look at this. A few ditches and a few platforms. So are, will you and I as parents be trusted guides? In other words, can our children, obviously it depends on the age and they grow up, depends on the age, but can they trust us the way we live? Will our children say, I, 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 I trust my dad. His faith is real. He's a good man. Not perfect. But can they trust us? So let's look at this. A few ditches that will mess it up. Ditch number one is when you're too hard. Colossians 3 verse 21. It says there, parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. So that's ditch number one. When we are too hard. When we're too hard. How does that work? In, in other words, unreasonable rules. Unreasonable rules. In what way do we communicate our rules to our children, the boundaries we set for them. How do we relate? How do, how do we communicate those rules to them? The result would be if we come too hard, if we crush their spirits. You know, you might have a scenario where the child says, well, I, just, I can't wait to get out of this house. You know, I just can't take this anymore. So how do you, how do you what's the good side of it? The platform you want. You want to get into their worlds. You want to get into their worlds. So Jesus is a great example. So God the Father loves us. So Jesus' the Son comes and He comes into the world to be with us as humanity. So dads, are you getting into the worlds of your children? It's easy to say, no, don't do that, don't do that. You must, or do we get into their worlds or we just sit and listen, what is important to them? What are on their hearts? What, is, what, what, what are they passionate about? Even, you know, you need to get when they're two years old, three years old, you really need to listen. What is on their heart? Get into their worlds. So often we expect the children to just listen. I'm, I'm the dad. And while you're under my roof, you will do what I tell you. I'm sure some of us have done that. I've done that too, I guess. <laughs> but it's not very effective. It can feel harsh. So what you want to do is you want to communicate rules in a way that they can understand. You want to communicate the, the, the you, you, you want a partnership with your child. So this is what we do with Vian. Now we've seen, I've shared about this before, I want to just share it about, about it again. And if you feel convicted, then please be convicted. Um, but we have seen the effect of computer games and things on our son, like tablet games. 
So when he's playing tablet games, he becomes another person. He becomes selfish and moody and irritable. It happens to adults as well, by the way. But anyway, just as by the way. But anyway, so we, we were looking at this, and we've been, and I'm looking at my past as well. You know, when I, I came to the Lord, the Lord started to speak to me about media and about games and getting these things out of my life so I can have capacity for God since I, I came to Christ. And so since Vian was born, we've been praying. We, Sonic and I, we have a game plan for our son. So we've been praying for him, praying that we can get him off media primarily and on to say something like reading. So since birth, we've been praying for him. We've been buying books like crazy for him and from some small books, 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 books. And now at the age of eight plus, now he's reading like a machine, almost too much. I'm like, spend time with me. He's he's reading his books. But it took us quite a bit of prayer and setting down goals and, 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 and brainwashing him in a good way. Books are good for you. And, uh, and so now with the, with the rules we've set down, we have, in a sense, negotiated with him. So we've asked him, okay, so what do games do to you? How do you feel? What, what does it do to your heart and into your mind? He says, no, it doesn't do me well. I'm, I, I'm not lacquer. You know, he picks it up. He's already like when he was seven and six, he, it's not lacquer. And so we ask him, you know, because other parents are not, putting the boundaries down as we are. And so, so now we're asking him, okay, the rules currently is no, no tablet during the term, no games during the term, only on the holidays, and uh, movies only over weekends. And so we put down some really strict rules. But we've partnered with him. So we ask him, okay, so would you, when you're one day a dad, would you allow your kids to play games the whole time, just when they want to? And he said, nope, I wouldn't. It's amazing. Seven, eight-year-old that has so much, so much brains. He must have awesome parents. <laughs> Kidding, eh? My, my, my dad says it's his good genes that's been going through to the, to the grandchild. But, uh, but so we're talking, we're trying to, to find a, a partnership in terms of when it comes to rules. Instead of saying, this, these are the rules, you know, we have a partnership. And when there's a partnership and they agree to it, then you can walk that road together. It makes a huge difference. And also, don't do silly rules that don't make sense. I don't know about you, but it freaks me out. Rules that don't make sense. So explain rules. Explain why. Even if you're a boss at your company, please explain why people can't use the whatever coffee or whatever. Yeah, sometimes people get really weird. Fight about five rand when, uh, when it's not necessary. But think through it. Are you provoking the people around you? Are you freaking them out? You know, it was like we at the youth center now recently, some of the kids' church people said, no, the children can't play before 9 o'clock in the, on a Sunday morning on the, on the games and tables. I'm like, why? I don't understand why. <laughs> Let them play. <laughs> That's just silly. You know, and I think sometimes when it comes to religion, we get rules, and we make more rules, and we make more rules, and we, and we don't know why these rules are here, but someone made the rule. Don't make unnecessary rules. Don't make rules that burden people or your children specifically. So anyway, so we have this good game plan with Vian. And uh, so we, we, we're trying to guide him on this journey. Okay, so that's one of the ditches. Another ditch would be to be religious but not real. Religious but not real. I remember um, when I was a youth pastor 
15 years ago, because one of my youth came to me, and he, was, he made a point when he was so upset. He said his parents freak him out. I'm like, but these are amazing people. They are some of the most godly people I know. But I realized they became so religious that they couldn't just have fun. They became so religious, so whenever they, in, they engage with their children, it's always, I'm going to pray for you, we're going to talk about the Word of God, are we gonna... and he was just, I just want to have some fun. You know, so he can't go out of the house before someone lays hands on him. It's like, oh, mom, get over it, you know. And, and this is a young man that loved the Lord and is passionate about God and is passionate about spiritual things, but he was just too much, too much. So be aware of that, of that that's the one ditch. Obviously, the other ditch is nothing spiritual, okay? But I'm just touching on, on this side, the, the ditch of being too much and not being real, not, not engaging with the heart. Sometimes we must just have fun. Just have fun. Are you having fun with your children? Are you having fun with the people around you? I was listening, uh, there was a, a, a pastor, a uh, guy that, that came to speak to all of us, uh, our national, show for National Council in Cape Town, and he's in his middle 70s, on his, on his way to 80, and he looks great. He, he's, he's, um, and, he, and he shared with us the keys. He said, one of the keys of life is, you know, obviously work, when he works, he works hard. But he said he's learned that to play hard as well, to have fun. So he's busy, he's continuously traveling the world, doing many things, but he learned to have fun. Are you having fun as a family? Are you just having fun as a family? Are you just enjoying life together? Don't, be too, don't, don't take life too seriously. Remember to have some fun. So a platform to launch from is be real but not perfect. I've spoken about this a few times over the last month or so. It's not about being perfect. It's about being real. So you know, with me and Sonica, we allow Vian in. I think I've shared this before, but every now and again, we, we had a, a bit of a, a disagreement I think it was in 2005 the last time we had this agreement, but uh, <laughs> funny. It's part of life, uh, part of life. But so, so we, we try not to even do disagreements behind the scenes. Obviously, if you're getting ugly and you're throwing pots and pans, go, go away, go behind the scenes. But, uh, but to do disagreements to be real, you know, in front of your children and to show them the process of reconciliation. We want to we be a guide. We want to show them not to be um, naive. Christian, Christian families are perfect. No. They have the same issues as other, other families. But they know how to deal with their stuff without getting ugly and to break one another down. You know, so you want to create an environment where your child can see that, you know. So, I, I, you know, with... I remember with growing up, you know, I never saw my mother would cry. And uh, maybe the one time I saw her cry and I got quite a shock. You know, when in our family, my wife cries often. Happy tears, sad tears, different tears. My son knows women cry. <laughs> and it's okay. You know, so he would just come and put a hand on her shoulder and then uh, pray for her or bless her. But he knows. Women cry, and it's okay. <laughs> be real. <laughs> be real. I think it's sometimes a challenge. I know definitely there's leaders, church leaders. This, I think it's more, probably more church leaders. I don't know if it's for all Christians, but we feel this responsibility 
that we're not, we're not allowed to be weak. I, I don't know, but especially amongst church leaders, there's this thing, but I'm the church leader, you know, so I must, I must uh, always be on top of the world. You know, but the truth of the matter is when, when we are under the anointing and preaching and God is, I mean, God is moving, yeah, we're powerful because it's not us, it's Jesus. But when we're alone at home, it's just us, just as ordinary and normal and weak and frail as every other person. So I've been speaking to our pastors and leaders and telling them, guys, take the pressure off. You are as frail as the next person. Stop putting that pressure on yourself. So I want to say to all of us, stop putting the pressure on yourself to be some perfect something. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be normal. It's okay to have issues sometimes. So anyway, in that verse, it speaks about all the rubbish. They couldn't build the walls because of all the rubbish. If we want to effectively guide our children, we need to deal with the rubbish in our hearts and in our lives. A good start would be, hey, there is rubbish. <laughs> Don't hide it away. There is rubbish. So good questions. What's going on on the inside of us? You know, what's happening on the inside? Get those things into the light. Okay, another verse here. Nehemiah 4 verse 14. We're just looking at some ditches and how to build some platforms. And I'm almost finished. It says in verse 14, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. This is the enemy. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So he says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your weaknesses. Don't be afraid of your past failures. Don't be afraid of whatever the enemy is throwing at your family. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord God. He is powerful. He is faithful. You have a dad. All the dads in the house, you have a dad that's bigger than you, that's able, who's always there, who's always faithful. We're not God. Everything doesn't depend upon me. Everything does depend upon him. So, and then he says they fight. Fight. So I want to call us to fight. All the men, husbands, fight. How do you fight? Fight for the heart of your spouse. Fight for the heart of your children. That's what I want to call us to in this message, to fight for them. So another ditch would be a bad example. I spoke to a guy um, who I led to the Lord from Mdansane, and, uh, and I was asking him, okay, so I'm walking the road with him, are you reading your Bible? And he says, I can't read that thing. Can't read that thing. I said, why? Because he says, my dad was uh, a layman's preacher, and he would always be reading his Bible, and he would always be underlining things and telling us to read our Bibles, but he would also be sleeping around. He would also be messing around. So I have... I can't, I can't look at that book. Hypocrisy. Bad example. That's a huge ditch. That's a huge ditch. Now, again, if we've made mistakes in the past, it's not the end of the world. One can, you can bring your stuff. You can apologize. We can humble ourselves. God can renew and redeem. But the fact of the matter is this. Dads, you're never alone. Do you know that? On the good side, yes, God's with you. On the bad side, whatever you do, your child is with you. 
When you walk into the bar to get drunk, do you know your children are there with you? Because it's going to influence them. It's the truth. When you go out and you watch porn, you're not on your own. Your children are with you. They're going to be impacted by it. That's just the fact of the matter. The way we live, no man's an island. Every man influences those around him. Influences those around him. You are not, you're never alone. There's responsibility. So I want to call us higher to, to deal with our rubbish, to deal with our stuff, to get help if we need to get help. But the same man, oh, well, flip, I need, I need help. It's okay. But get help. Don't continue down that path thinking it won't have an effect. It will have an effect. Question for the dads. Would you um, willingly leave the front door open of the house at night and the gate outside and allow people to just come in? Would you? No, obviously not. But do you know that when you are spiritually passive, that's exactly what you're doing. Spiritually passive. You're not watching. You're not guarding. You're not fighting for. You're not focused. You are spiritually passive. You are leaving the door open. I mean, that's like worst nightmare stuff. Like leave the door open so that people can come into your house and do something to your kids. That's worst nightmare. So on a natural level. But on, the phys- on a spiritual level, I believe it's even more important. It's more important. Are you spiritually passive? Or are you fighting? Fight for the heart of your children. Fight for the heart of your spouse. How do you do that? Fight for your own heart. Fight for your own heart. Fight for the purity, the holiness, the righteousness of your own, of your own heart. You see, spiritually, spiritual passivity opens the door. But even worse, when we willingly disobey God and we willingly break His commands and we willingly go off doing things like having affairs, etc., etc., you are not just opening the door. You are saying to the robber and the thief, please come in. That's the fact. That's the truth. You see, not one of the commands in Scripture is because our Heavenly Father is trying to spoil our fun. Every command in Scripture is to protect us. It's to protect us. It's a loving father saying, don't do it. They're going to get hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. It's going to bring damage. That's what the scriptures say. All of the commands of scripture is fulfilled in these two things. Love God. Love people. The moment we break the commands, we're not being loving. Ask anybody who has had an affair. Ask anybody who has broken those things and gone off and gone gambling or done too much alcohol, or, or whatever it might be. You, we, there's a list of 100 things we could do. The effect on our families, the effect on our children, the effect on our hearts. So we need to fight, not just for the big stuff, in the stems of the big, not do, don't do big stuff, the small stuff. Where's my heart at? You see, when, when we're spiritually passive, and when we are not actively fighting for our own hearts, we automatically become a bad example. We become irritable and selfish. Isn't that true, guys? I have also been a pig in the past. But we need to position ourselves in a place where you say, God, I need you. I need your joy. I need your peace. I need your grace to fill me so I can love well 
And love says, I'm not going to be selfish. Love says, for the sake of my son, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to deal with my stuff. I'm going to deal with the rubbish in my heart. Amen. Every command of Scripture is for our benefit, for our blessing. So what is the goal of parenting? Okay, I'm a guide. I want to guide my children. Where do I want to guide them? Do I want my children to be happy? Well, yes. But the ultimate goal is not happiness, it's holiness. I want them to be holy because out of holiness flows happiness. Isn't that true? Same with you and me. When I'm holy, then I can truly be happy. When I am not holy, I, I, I battle to be happy because I'm disconnecting from God and from those around me. So, to connect with this, life is about connection. Connection. So, on a, on, a, on a marital level, the Lord has given our sexuality to us to bond with our partner within marriage. It is a powerful, powerful tool to knit a husband and wife together as one. So now the enemy is flooding in exactly in that area to get us to connect somewhere else. And I'm sure we know this, but be aware. Be aware, be aware of the, the enemy using the strengths that God has given us to connect other places, other places, other places. So he's using it against us. Be aware, be aware. And please speak to somebody if you need help in this area. Okay, so that was another ditch, a bad example, good, a, a, a platform for our children is to be an example. So if my, if my son needs to... If my son needs an example of what it looks like, he can look at me and my wife. Can your child, can your children look at you and say, man, my dad, my parents, these cornerstone things, they wouldn't even think like this, but it's like the corner, the main values are in place. My parents spend time with God in the mornings. Do your children see you with the Bible? Do they see you bringing them to church every Sunday? Or is there any excuses good enough to not go to church? Are you, are, you, are you putting down those anchors in their lives? Personal time with Christ. Going to church faithfully. Being nice and kind to people. Being forgiving and, 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 and saying we're sorry. Those, type of, those cornerstone values, are they seeing it? You can do it. You can do it. So just the last one. Another ditch is children must be seen, not heard. <laughs> Which I believe is a very, very wrong statement that children must only be seen and not be heard. A platform the Lord wants us to give our children is to, to, to not only listen to our children, but to believe in them. Not only to listen to them, but to believe in them. You know, I was grade 9, 10, that age... I was going through a very bad season of my life. My parents divorced when I was in grade six. And uh, so in that grade eight, nine, ten, was really, really difficult season of my life. Got wrong friends and wrong, it was, whoa, I was on the edge. And I remember the one thing my dad did that did so much to me. We would just, I would just, his house was a few kilometers away from where I was staying with my mom. So I would just walk across for awesome food. Yes. Great food. And, uh, but I remember we would sit and chat for hours, just the two of us, just be sitting and talking. And that did so much to me. That did so much because 
because here my life is falling apart. My things are not like uh, my, I don't know if I'm coming or going. And, and yet here is somebody, my dad, that's communicating to me, you have value. My dad that's listening to me, to all my stuff and sharing his heart with me. We did that, that so many times. We just sit and talk heart to heart. Are you doing that, parents, with your children? Because that's communicating, I value you. I believe in you. The greatest gift, I heard that someone say that, the greatest gift that someone can give someone else is to believe in them. I, th- I think that might be true. So when a parent, when a dad, when a mom, when, when we believe in our children, you see, we're not co- we, we shouldn't treat our children as they currently are. We should treat them as God sees them, as who they are going to be, because that's how God relates to you and me. He doesn't relate to us according to our mistakes, our faults, our sins, all our stuff-ups. He doesn't look at that. He looks at us through the love of His Son, through the cross of Christ. He looks at us with great potential. So I want to just say to, to all of us, especially the men, but to all of us, ladies as well. You are better than your worst day. You are better than the worst day of your life. God does not relate to you according to your worst moments, your worst days, your greatest failures. He relates to you through the victory of His Son on the cross. That's how God relates to you. I'm going to speak that needs to settle into our hearts. You are better. You are more than your biggest mistakes. Don't allow those things to haunt you. You are bigger. You are more than that. Because Jesus, God himself, looks at you and he says, I'm looking at you and I'm seeing potential. I am looking at you and I have hope for what I'm seeing. I'm looking at you and I'm seeing a great destiny because I I designed you to have a great destiny. I am looking at you and I believe in you. Your heavenly Father is speaking this over your life. One of the biggest things that messes us up is when we lose our hope and when we lose our courage and when we lose our confidence in who we are. Parents, you need to know who you are. Your heavenly Father believes in you, backs you, and He's encouraging you so that you can encourage your son or your daughter, your children. In Jesus' name. You are better than your worst. Let's say it. I'm better than my worst day. Let's say it. God sees me through the victories of His Son. He does. He does. And He wants to call you higher to a platform to rise up higher in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Fight. For your own heart. Fight for your spouse's heart. Fight for the hearts of your children. There's a flood of ungodliness coming in. You and I can turn the tide around. It begins with you and me. Amen. Let's say it. I'm going to fight. Not with my wife. For my wife. Amen. It's worth it. Every time I look into the eyes of my son, or every now and again when I look into the eyes of my son, I realize 
I've got something to fight for. You've got something to fight for. Even if you don't have kids yet, you've got something to fight for. Hallelujah. Amen. Please stand with me. I want to pray for us. Happy Father's Day. Happily, happily Heavenly Father's Day. Let's build the walls. Let's build the walls around our families. Let's build those walls to protect the hearts of our children. Okay, so my question to you is, so what are you going to do today? What are you going to do this week? Parents, dads, what are you going to do? Get into their worlds. Choose to be an example. Listen to them. Just listen to them. Win their hearts. Believe that you are more. Believe that you can and are a great king.